what's going on? Ray Woodson here, and we were just getting set to record podcast number four, Triple's Alley Report, when we actually had something to report. Boom, shake up in the front office. Now listen, when a team has a two-year run as abysmal as the Giants have had, heads are going to roll. And in this case, it was general manager Bobby Evans. Giants made the announcement Monday afternoon, Evans stepping down as senior vice president and general manager after four seasons. He'll be reassigned in the organization, but he is free to seek opportunities in other organizations. And although he's been with the Giants for 25 seasons, wouldn't be surprising if he sought opportunities elsewhere. The Giants now search for a new head of baseball operations who will report directly to president and CEO Larry Baer. Bruce Bochy will stay on as manager, heading into his final contract year of 2019. Brian Sabian, also in the final year of his deal in 2019, will take a step back. This year, he resumed a bigger role in putting together the roster, but it appears he will go back to scouting and being an advisor. And that means that the new GM, Director of Baseball Operations, should have broad decision-making power over the roster while still reporting to Bear. The end of Evans' role was no surprise, including to Evans, who uh, got the word on the last road trip. It's time to change. Brian Sabian said it a few weeks ago. The championship window is closed. And of course, it's not all Evans' fault. He was part of the process. He's a fall guy, but he's also not blameless. Nobody in this situation is. Nobody. From the ownership group to Bear to Sabian, Evans, Bochy, the scouting department, players, etc. Well, the fans aren't to blame, but everybody else. But the top guys don't fire themselves. Much-needed changes are underway in the minor league organization as well because the game is passing the Giants by, or has passed the Giants by. I'm a little biased about Bobby Evans. I always liked him, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. He's always been amiable. He's been accessible, pretty forthright with his answers. And again, part of this organization for 25 years, he did play a part in developing the team that won three World Series. But he also participated in its demise. As of this podcast, 166 wins, 224 losses since the 2016 All-Star break. I mean, that's not only bad, it's a bad watch. It was painful at times, many times. When you take the title of GM or, or any... Uh, organization where you have some responsibility, you take the credit, and you take the blame. It wasn't going to be easy for Evans to follow the Sabian era anyway. As with every club, the Giants had some real setbacks with injuries. But that's when you call on your minor league depth, and that's where the Giants have lagged badly the last several years. So, since the Giants were in a contending mode, still believing they had an open window with their core players still in their prime, well, they dug into free agency quite a bit, and made trades, quite a bit. And that's where things eventually went south. The Giants were 57-33 and at the 2016 All-Star break. We were asking ourselves, what are the flaws in this team? Well, we find out soon enough. They fell apart in the second half. A lot of people point to the Matt Duffy trade on August 1st, 2016. Duffy was sent to Tampa Bay in a deal that included uh, the now-departed Matt Moore and Lucius Fox, they're not, they're not dead. They're just a part of the organization. Duffy was second in the rookie year balloting in 2015. He won the Willie Mack Award. He was a very popular guy, obviously, in that clubhouse. And the trade stunned many, many of his teammates. I took many phone calls from fans on the postgame show who were upset because not only did they love Duffy and his style of play, they loved his 35-pound cat, Skeeter, who, by the way, sadly, is departed. 
and Duffy's departure to Tampa Bay may well have contributed to a, an awful second half. It was a part of it, no doubt, but he wasn't a closer, and that was their biggest problem. In the end, the bullpen blew 32 saves in 2016, including Game 4 of the NLDS that ended the season when they couldn't hold a four-run lead. And that wasted a gem by the guy that was uh, traded for, Matt Moore. Now, I hated getting rid of Duffy, but I thought, well, Moore, quite a talented pitcher at age 27, former first-round pick, who had an attractive contract, would help solidify the rotation. And indeed, that was the case for a while. So they didn't deal for a closer. Say, uh, a healthy Mark Melanson in 2016. But Moore had some uh, big moments in what had to be a a tough situation for him coming in for a popular player. He nearly no-hit the Dodgers. And again, that eight-inning jam, and he could well have come out for the ninth inning against the Chicago Cubs. But game four of that NLDS slammed a door on a lot of things, including Moore's effectiveness. Despite good stuff, he lost confidence in 2017, and he hasn't gained it back. Giants uh, ended up trading him to Texas last December. The Moore deal, along with the Jeff Samarja, Johnny Cueto, and Melanson contracts have saddled the Giants with a lot of money and not a lot of production. Left the Giants actually with the three contracts for pitchers who aren't pitching right now. Well, two of them aren't. Cueto underwent Tommy John surgery, and Samarja has had health issues all year long. And Melanson has been on and off. You know, you had a two-year deal with uh, Cueto with a player option, and I thought when they did that deal, great, okay, have two great years and go off and make your money, but that backfired. Yeah, he ended up having some injuries and pitched poorly in 2017, started off well in 2018 after taking the remaining four years in his option, but uh, eventually he needed the Tommy John surgery. Uh, the Giants got Eduardo Nunez in 2016, traded him before the 2017 deadline to the Red Sox. That produced a pitcher named Sean Anderson, who could be a factor next year. That deal could end up being a pretty good one, but too late to have an impact this year, too late to help Bobby Evans. So all that spelled doom for Evans, and the question now is who takes his place? A lot of names are going to be thrown out there, but what kind of person is that going to be? What kind of person does that need to be for the Giants to get to the next generation, as Larry Bear talks about? Well, first of all, the Giants had to give the new person broad discretion over baseball decisions in order to get attractive candidates. And sure, that person is going to have to work with Bruce Bochy, but it's probably going to be Bochy's farewell tour. He doesn't want to skip or a rebuilding team, and Bear says it won't be a full-on rebuild. So that new GM is going to be versatile, going to have to have a tough job, retooling an organization with the high expectations but not a great farm system while remaking the roster for 2020 and beyond to make it younger and more athletic. The challenge of the everyday lineup, it's slow, doesn't hit enough home runs, doesn't walk enough, strikes out too much for a low home run team, and that puts a premium on coming through in RBI situations, keeping the line moving. There was no line, and when there was, it didn't move. They did not capitalize on RBI situations, and they didn't add on when they had leads. That put pressure on the bullpen as well as starters. More blown saves this year. There's even a phrase associated with the Giants when it comes to poor run support for starting pitchers, getting caned. Ask Derek Rodriguez about that. He's handled it well, but should he have to? I'm sure the pitchers are tired of getting caned. I'm sure the fans are tired of it. Coaches are tired of it. The front office getting sick of looking at this lineup that doesn't add on. It's, it's bad and it's boring and it's behind the times. You know how you know when you have the Giants where you want them? When it's first and third and nobody out. 
you can't count on Stephen Duggar, Buster Posey, and Brandon Belt to bring it all back next year as they come back from injuries. That's where changes have to happen, to where you at least score four runs a game. They do that, they'll be productive. Better yet, 4.5. So they've got pretty close to playoff caliber pitching staff, but they've got a dead ball era offense. And we, we said it on our first podcast. It's a crossroads in the franchise's history, and the latest news certainly reflects that. A key part of the transition for the general managers working with the minor league system and working with the young players and evaluating them and figuring out who's going to help them well into the future. Uh, Derek Rodriguez looks like one of those guys. Andrew Suarez, maybe. Steven Duggar, promising so far, but you can't really get a read on it yet. It's too early in his career. Ray Esperanta, Ray Black, who's got incredible stuff, but has had some, some real hiccups so far. Aramis Garcia, and maybe Mac Williamson, who's had nothing but bad luck with injuries. And, and then this guy, Chris Shaw, who brings one element Giants minor league hitters have lacked, raw power. We talked to him recently about his introduction to the major leagues. All right, we're chatting with Giants rookie Chris Shaw, and Chris, just the Cliff Notes version of the difference between Major League Pitching and AAA and AA now. You've gotten a, a quick uh, look at that. What's your impression so far? You know, there's a lot of similarities. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing uh, for me was, you know, the first week just, you know, I was pretty anxious, you know, want to make something happen, and uh I basically let the pitcher dictate how my bat was going to go. Um, didn't necessarily stick to what I want to do uh, up at the plate, and you know I didn't really swing at what I want to swing at just because I was, you know, first time up. You want to you want to make you know a big impression. Um, so you know it's it's no different than than it is in AAA as far as if you show them that you're going to swing out of the zone early in the count, you basically give them no reason to throw your strike. Um, so that's kind of where I found myself those first couple of games, but. Uh, just trying to get back to to what allows me to be successful is um, really locking in on a zone and, and staying true to what I'm trying to look for. And past couple of bats I had, um, you know, my last start in Milwaukee and the two pinch hits I had, um, I really feel like uh, you know, I, was, I was sticking to that. And um, you know, results might not necessarily be there, but then again, I only had you know 17 at bats, so I'm not I'm not looking at uh, you know result based things to to kind of dictate how I'm feeling. I heard a coach say a long time ago, failures do you a favor because yeah. they, they show you what you shouldn't be doing. And so, I mean, that's you're going to have that problem in the okay. major leagues, obviously. But yeah. uh, so, like you said, you've, you've learned a few things already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, failure is not foreign to me. I mean, I, I hit 165 <laughs> as a freshman at Boston College. And, um, you know, a lot of times you might look at that and say, oh, this kid doesn't have what it takes to, to hit in the ACC. And and I came back the next year. I hit 340 and was first team All ACC, and you know I made the, the adjustments I needed to make. So you know, I have you know complete faith in myself that the same thing will happen here. It seems like with the young hitters, sometimes these at bats take on their own momentum. So mm-hmm. like you swing at a high one, the next one, they, you know, I mean the pitchers know that, the catchers know that, yeah. the scouting report knows that. So that's that's another part of the game, I guess, yeah. the in at bat adjustment. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like I was saying, if you. Show them you're gonna swing at that high fastball early in the count. It kind of becomes a you know running of the bull situation where it's just like you know downhill quick and you know they're gonna just pound that a few more times and the next thing you know you're walking back to the dugout. So uh, just gotta really really stay locked in on what I'm looking for. 
running the Bulls is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. I know some people love it. <laughs> just like, why? Exactly, yeah. Uh, wouldn't find myself there at any point. <laughs> the Bulls are undefeated. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a different kind of game now because, I mean, the, the approach – a lot of guys are striking out. There's, yeah. there's no, no big deal anymore. I mean, when I was growing up, it was kind of a big deal. It was about putting the ball in play. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's some signs where the pendulum goes too far. Right. I mean, you know, for you, what's, where, what's the point where the pendulum's at equilibrium? I think the biggest thing to look at is how you're getting to those strikeouts. So if it's a hard-fought at bat, he makes his pitches, and it's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, that guy executed. You know, there's not a lot you can do. Guys are really good now, but... The strikeouts where you go up and you don't swing at any strikes and, you know, you don't even give yourself a chance to, you know, put the ball in play with authority, which is, you know, if you're going to be a strikeout guy, that's got to be your game. you got to be, you know, impacting the baseball, and to do that, it's got to be a pitch you can really handle. So um, strikeouts don't bother me as much when, you know, the way that I get to them is competitive and it was, you know, plan-oriented. Um, they bother me when I get myself out early. And you're going to have that. I mean, guys are throwing gas. Middle relievers yep. are throwing gas. They're throwing breaking stuff and sliders at yep. 91. So that's just part of the deal nowadays, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you don't want to give pitchers credit. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you'd be pretty stupid not to understand that guys got some pretty good stuff. You know, the other thing with young hitters, you, you hit one out and you crush one in Colorado. And the temptation is to do it again. Do it again. Yeah. And I'll hit the ball f- five miles. Yes. And so how do you stop that temptation? Uh, you have you have a game like I had right after it. <laughs> Humble you quick. You just no. I, I think you just. Um, for me, I, I can't think about hitting for power because swing gets long, and you know this, this whole theme of chasing. Uh, that's kind of what I get to. So, for me, it's you know honestly stay focused on just barreling something, hitting a hard line drive the other way. And you know, if you hit it on the barrel, it's going to go. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what are your plans for the offseason? Is you going to go to Fall League, get more at-bats, or what's the deal? haven't heard anything um, as far as off-season baseball stuff goes, but you know that's something that I think that uh, I'll sit down with Boach at the end of the year and kind of discuss what the, uh, what the plan going forward is. But for right now, I'm just planning on you know, going back to Boston and, and you know, a little rest and then getting right back to it. Winners in Boston versus winners in Arizona. <laughs> well... <laughs> You got your obvious uh, weather disparities there, but uh, I, you know, I love the winter, so it doesn't bother me going back. And I have, you know, Boston College has got, you know, state-of-the-art indoor facilities that I'm, I have access to, so uh, I get my work in and from that from that aspect. And then, um, you know, we spend eight months of the year in the sun, so it doesn't bother me to see some snow. Baseball-wise, I mean, do, were you are you at the point in October, November? I mean, if you were playing in the postseason, you'd be playing in October anyway. Yeah. But you know, do, do you feel like, yeah, I could go down there and take some ABs, and it might help me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've I have no problem with, with uh, extending the season and, and to keep playing. I mean, baseball is one of those things that once you start doing it every day, your body gets used to it, and you honestly feel worse when you take a few days off. Um, so, yeah. Would you say this is going to be like the biggest off season for you because you're going to have an opportunity coming up next year? Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily like to to look at it um, as you know my most important off season just because it's a you know it's unnecessary pressure you put on yourself. But uh, and I've always been a guy who really you know works my ass off and um, I'll, I'll approach this off season unlike any other. 
So you're in there tonight, and so obviously the streak ends tonight. Yeah. I mean, you play, you play baseball long enough, you're going to have this. So I don't know. I don't know if this kind of failure does you a favor, but it's part of the experience, right? Oh, of course. I mean, and and to call you know whatever you know you want to call my time up here so far as as you know a struggle or whatever. I, I don't look at it like that at all. I look at it as a as an opportunity to to learn and grow. All right. Well, hopefully more learning and growing for you, Chris. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. You know, when I talked to Chris Shaw for that interview, he was 1 for 20. After that, he went 8 for 18. So clearly the interview helped. Well, he had a good attitude anyway. So he's going to need that going forward because he's going to have a lot of ups and downs. He's very much like a lot of young hitters coming up today. He had the most home runs of any Giants minor leaguer, and he struck out about a third of the time. Is he going to hit Major League pitching consistently enough? That's a fair question to ask with somebody who strikes out that much. I'm not sure, but he'll get a look because of that power. As I speak, the Giants are next to last in the majors in runs scored, 24th in team batting average, next to last in home runs, although they're closing that gap between uh, home runs they hit and home runs they allow, and 27th in on-base percentage. Matt Duffy's 2018 season with the Rays towers over most Giants hitters, and that's just not going to cut it next year. But the problem is there are no guarantees the young hitters will turn that around next year. I mean, can you say that next year Stephen Duggar will be there all year as an effective leadoff man and center fielder? That Mac Williamson will come back and contribute some power? That Shaw will hit Major League pitching consistently? And what kind of role will Aramis Garcia have? Uh, Very interesting that he's been playing first base and and pretty well. Maybe an expanded role for him there next year as well as uh, backing up Buster Posey. But again, you got to make sure Posey is healthy, coming back from a pretty major surgery on the hip. So a lot of questions involved in not only the regular lineup, which is aging, but the young guys that they're plugging in. Maybe some hope for Alan Hansen next year. That was a good uh, Bobby Evans find, who has made some contributions this year and does have some speed. But that's another guy you wonder if he's going to consistently hit Major League Pitching and get on base enough. Look, good organizations backfill their talent. The Giants just haven't had enough to do that. Again, some bright spots, but not enough. That's why the work in the minor leagues under the new farm director, David Bell, is so important. But at the moment, is there instant gratification? Uh, It doesn't look like it. So you got to go shopping. It'll have to come through free agency, have to come through trades, and I think at least one popular player is going to be dealt this offseason. They need more power. Not to the extent that they're going to lead the majors, but again, close that home run gap and create more traffic to get pitchers out of uh, the stretch early on in games. you got to do that more often early in games. How many times this year did the Giants go over the first time through the lineup and sometimes through the first four innings? you got to put some pressure on that opposing starting pitcher early in the game, and they just didn't do that enough this year. And then when they even had leads, as we mentioned earlier, just didn't add on. Now, Larry Bear talks about getting a next-generation general manager. And I want to underline something here that I said in the first segment. The lineup you saw on the field with the Giants looked like the game had passed them by. Does that mean I think that the front office is not aware of analytics? No, that's not what it means. And I think that, uh, again, this next-gen general manager is definitely going to have to be plugged in when it comes to analytics. But I think what they're talking about is a mix, and that's fine. I totally agree with that. But the results on the field look like a team that the game had passed by. 
And that's where we're going to have to see ch some changes in the next couple of years. And part of that is getting younger. Uh, that, that core, that championship core now in its 30s, you got to look ahead. And I think that's going to be the primary task going into 2020 for that next general manager. But in the meantime, just try to patch something together once again uh, for 2019. And we talk a lot about analytics. And then you talk about a guy like Hunter Pence. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there are guys out there who have intangibles and maybe some analytics people scoff at that. But I understand it. There are intangibles in this game. It's a game played by human beings. You need people to fire you up in a long season or in a postseason when things are down. But this week, another sign of an end of an era, Hunter Pence likely playing his final games as a Giant, likely to get the Willie Mack Award on Friday. A guy who never fit the scouts mold. A guy who never did, he never did things conventionally. A guy who showed the tangibles and intangibles make a difference and a guy who helped bring two rings to San Francisco. That is quite tangible. Yes, yes, yes. Sunflower seeds. The scooter. Pence against the fence. One of the best catches I've seen in the postseason. The triple hit versus the Cardinals in the NLCS with a broken bat. Remember that? I think in golf, that's a four-stroke penalty. Some pretty good memories. But they're memories. Time to make new ones with new faces. Father time is undefeated. And that includes for my podcast. But we will be back with episode five next week.